If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This is still the very tail end of list season, so, you know, daily reports on the practices is something I like when there's something to report. They were in Jacksonville today. Uh, We have Aslan and Corey there. Uh, They're right up, warchant.com. But I, I obviously was not there, so I can't give you my impressions of what practice was today. Uh, we'll return to doing so uh, next week. What will be interesting about that is on Monday when we come in, we will have had a post-scrimmage press conference to digest, and I would imagine that Mike will give a lot there. Strange one, too. 9.30, I think it is, on Sunday night. It's late. Yeah. So they're doing it under the lights. Under the game. lights, yeah. Hopefully that the weather cooperates this year. I think they had to go inside every time they tried to scrimmage last season. Frustrating, yeah. You don't want to do that. You want to get out there on Doak and play under the lights and get after it and try to recreate a game situation as best you can. But I, he's always seemingly very forthcoming when it comes to scrimmage results. I, I, I do my due diligence with people off the record about what they saw in the scrimmage and then compare notes to what Mike says. And sure, he's going to keep certain things under wraps. You're not going to talk about certain formations or, you know, certain ideas and you're not going to, he doesn't talk about injuries. So you're not going to hear that, especially like I said before, if it's a guy that's dinged, it's football guys get dinged. They miss a couple of days. They come back. He's just not going to touch on that. If a guy is hurt to the point where he's going to miss the season due to injury, that'll come out. Michael tell you that he'll say that. Unfortunately we lost so-and-so for the year. That's that, that he'll say that. But if it's just a guy who, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to make up an injury, has a calf strain, and he's going to be out for four days, then they're not going to talk about that. That's how that works. They haven't gotten to the point of camp, and it's probably because they haven't gotten in full pads till today. Yeah, today. They haven't gotten to the point of full, full fall camp, good Lord, Tom, where they work on some kind of play over and over again. Remember last year they worked on that end-around fake zone read, yep. and they must have run it every single day in practice. And but, then it worked for maybe I think it was a first down in the LSU game. Yeah. Like, oh, there it is. I'm glad you're you're breaking they that used out. It. Because good God, every day you ran it in practice and the defense knew it was coming by day three. They also ran the flea flicker. They did. And it worked. Yep. The flea yep. flicker. Mm-hmm. Hit big time. And the Philly special they ran all season, which they finally used in the uh, bowl game. Man, he does a very good job at least once a game in creating a matchup of one on none. It is a hard thing to do. I admire it. Most people's defensive principles account for an awful lot of different looks and motion, and there are ways to pass guys off. And most of the time, at this level of football, now obviously it's different in high school. You'll see kids running free all day long. And in college, you see them running free more than you do in the NFL. But 
most of the time they're able to the, the the coaching acumen, the player acumen, and the time spent practicing really accounts for a lot of looks and unbalanced formations and you know heavy formations. They usually you you may get an isolation that you want, but very rarely are you going to get a look of one on none. It, it's just it just doesn't happen. It, you, usually that would be a coverage bust, not because of the scheme, just somebody made a mistake. I have not seen any of that in camp, so I feel emboldened. But in past years with Mike Norvell, unbalanced extra offensive lineman stuff, and he's employed that before. They wanted to last year, but they just got too hurt. They create another hole yep. mm-hmm. every time, and that is so smart the way they do it. And you'll get guys who come inside, and then that bounce is available, or they'll try to go around the block, and the inside is available. And he does a he and Alex really do a good job of scheming that up. A great example of that in football history is Leonard Fournette's touchdown in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Oh man, extra gap created. It's an just, overload. It's so beautiful to and watch. The edge is completely just sealed. Walks in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that I love about that is I'm saying every game, Tom, almost every game, there's a play where you go, whoo. Yeah, that's where a defensive coordinator is like, damn, man, that was nice. That was you see what they did there. That was nice. I'm glad we recovered a 24 yard gain instead of a touchdown. Louisville Mm -hmm. right out the gates to the tight end on the on the other side. Yeah. First play. Oh, my God. Is anybody more open in your life? It's ridiculous. That was gorgeous. But he does it all the time. They do it with it. Yes. It's very it's very much like what Jimbo would do with the halfback screens. Mm -hmm. He had a great knack for that. Well, when to call him, when to call Had a great knack. Yeah. Yeah. Not tunnel screens, halfback screens and sometimes a tight end screen. Yeah. But Mike with the tight end screen. Good Lord. Think about the Florida game when they're going score for score in the second half. Yeah. Cam McDonald just over midfield. There's nobody within 30 yards of no, you. Like, oh, no. sir, that's evil. It happens a lot, though. That's my point. Watch this year, guys. I mean, I, there's. I say this a lot. Look, I'm not. There are things you can criticize Mike for, and criticize Alex for, and criticize the coaching staff for. Uh, they're not without their faults or moments in a game where they fail, but they they are consistently good. A from a game plan standpoint, what they're attacking and why they're attacking it. Now, sometimes in the past, they've they've not had the personnel, but you see the reasoning behind what they were doing and how they were trying to overcome some of that weakness. But then also, again, once a game, there is somebody running scot-free. And you're like, holy, that is schemed open by 30 yards. That's nuts. That actually, I don't think it was a trick play, but I think it was just the flow of the the day. In practice the other day, one of the few misses from Jordan Travis all camp. Oh, it's a a touchdown. It's a walk-in. Good. Christmas. Him, him Wait, how is that guy that open? But to your uh, I don't point, think he knew how he was that open. Right. That's why he missed. Yeah. 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 Back to the CFN thing I was talking about. They did the, you remember when this was going on? Uh, well, for the better part of five years, six years here, they did their list of all coaches, 133 college football coaches going into the 2023 season who are on the hot seat and what level of hot it is, which, okay, you got me. It's another list at the end of list season, and I clicked it, you sons of – but I clicked it because I wanted to see where Jimbo was. I'm not going to lie. That's why I clicked it. I was like, I don't care what any of these other guys are. Where's Jimbo on the hot seat list? And you talk about satisfactory. I clicked the story, and the first picture you see is Jimbo yelling. <laughs> wow! Damn it, Dallas! Damn it! <laughs> you know, we probably need to have him yelling why 
and for the people that are listening on the radio, they can hear it. But layer it over Charles Bradley's Why Is It So Hard to Make It in America? Mm. And just for the why. Why is it so hard? Yeah. <laughs> so they start with those that are on ice cold seats. And as one would suspect, the first two names on the ice cold seats would be Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Fair enough. From there, Brian Kelly, Chris Kleeman, Jim Harbaugh, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, James Franklin. Dabo Sweeney, Casey Keeler, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Absolutely. Lane Kiffin. Although I think Lane remains permanently on a warm seat because there's yeah. always shenanigans taking place around Lane Kiffin. Lane, at the SEC kickoff, took to the dais disheveled as if he had just come from a house of hookers right. and did 10 lines of coke. I mean, you saw Lane. Lane, good God, man. You know you had a public appearance. It's He just doesn't care. He should have <laughs> worn the Salt Life Sun shirt with the Costas. <laughs> he may as well have. Oh, it, it's just, it's comical. Jonathan Smith, Dave Clawson, Sonny Dykes, Josh Heupel, Jeff Trailer. These are ice cold seats. Dan Lanning, Brett Bielema. Fat Bielema. Out there getting it at Illinois. We do get to Mike Norvell. Ice cold? Ice cold. Okay. My first major disagreement on the list was that Mario Cristobal was on an ice cold bench. Oh, no. No, 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 he's not, guys. He's on a heated seat, you know, setting one. Now, it could just be a regular seat, but regular seats heat up in the sun. It can happen. We'll see. But I don't have him. Like, I'm not putting him. Like, you know who's who's on an ice-cold seat? Pat Narduzzi's on an ice-cold seat. Kicking ass at Pitt on the regular. Just won the damn ACC a couple of years. Yeah, Pat. Pat's fine. And we had a nice conversation with him. I liked him. Yeah, that does not influence your take at all. It does, No, the winning. He's 62 and 41 at Pitt, yeah. dude. He's uh, he's yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking of somebody. I, I can't do the... It's just wrong of me. I just like the way you two admired Pitt's uniforms together for about 30 seconds. We did. We, we, it, was it, like it was like the head shaking. Two, the, the two stoners at the planetarium. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's a great uniform. We should listen to the wall. It was, um, yeah, we had a moment, me and uh, Pat. We, I just told him I love Pitt's uniforms. Never change the old school Pitt uniforms yeah. that you went back to. They because fixed They fixed them. They fixed them, and he agreed. It's the simple things, man. When it's dudes talking about football, it's that simple. You know, your uniforms are great, Pat. They are. Aren't they great? They're great. I think they're pretty sharp. <laughs> I can say that about us, though. Yeah. That's why I even care. Like, we have we, – we are we are perennially a top 10 uniform in the sport of college football. Yeah, we, uh, just We're there. We're we amongst have, the elite of the elite in uniform. We've weakened our uniform, Over and yet years, we're still in the we're class. We're still there. We're still yeah. there. And we've yeah. gotten better now. We're back to being better. A little bit more red. Those practice unis are uh, an indicator. You can't judge by the practice unis. Can't. Practice unis were outstanding when the other one wasn't. Yeah, they were still in the purple family, though. We're starting to inch toward the red a little bit in the garnet family. I'm proud of that. Yeah. So Mike is in the ice cold seats. The only one I disagreed with there was really quickly. I, I mean, I, I said what I said about. Lane, but uh, Cristobal, they went five and seven last year and got beat 45 to three at home. 
by their arch rival. Yeah. In front of nobody. It was cleared the hell out. It didn't take any time at all for those people to be like, ah, again with this? With the controller, they're just hitting XX between <laughs> plays. Same play. XX. <laughs> XX. Over and over and over again. I'm not going to go through regular seats. I'm going to skip way up here. By the way, Trent Dilfer, I would suppose, is on a regular seat in year one at UAB. That's right. Yeah. Deion Sanders is in a regular seat in year one at Colorado. Hugh Freeze. I could say a lot of things. I'll just say Hugh Freeze likes to watch. He'll be easy. Like, it'll be, you know, just easy breezy in his seat. I would put Matt Campbell on a warmer seat than the, just the plain seat, but people love them some Matt Campbell. They do. My man's 46 and 40 at Iowa State, guys. He's 46 and 40. Whopping six games over 500. It's like a Ricky Fowler thing. People just want to tell you how much they love him. But at least Ricky's back. Cam not, Campbell's going the wrong direction. That's had a season or two where you're like, all right, Matt, I see it. Not last year. Tepid seats. Tepid. Tepid seats. What, what site is this? CFN, College Football News. All right. Are you surprised that uh, old Mark Stoops is on a tepid seat? Oh, come on now. Is Kentucky getting too big for the britches? Pull up Mark Stoops. Pull up Kentucky's record from last year, Tom. I'm, that is interesting. By the way, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas, is on the tepid seat. I can see that. One game over 500 in Texas. 13 and 12. That's a lot of losses. A lot of losses. Seven and six last year mm. for Kentucky. Mm. What? Seven and six. It's Kentucky. Seven and six. Kentucky's like, we can go seven and six with just about anybody. He's 66 and 59 all time in Kentucky. Not bad. Not bad. There was that real momentum run in then. Yeah, so they uh, they didn't do well in the COVID season. I don't know if that you know factors in. Yeah, so from 18 to present. 10 and 3, 8 and 5, COVID year 5 and 6, 10 and 3, 7 and 6. So he has eight or more wins this year. He's back to ice cold. Right, but I could see why this would be tepid then because, like, what if he goes 5 and 7? If he's 5 and 7, he's firmly on the hot seat after that. Mm, that could be. Uh, Sarkeesian, who I mentioned, Mel Tucker, everybody's darling just a couple years ago or during the COVID year is now 18 and 14 at Michigan State on the tepid seat. Brent Venable's already on the tepid seat. Billy Napier already on the tepid seat. Billy would have to have a disaster this year, which he might. They don't have a quarterback, which he might. Trying to find other tepid seat dwellers that are of interest us in any way. At these schools that maybe we compete against. That's why I named the ones that I did. Hot seat waiting room. I have Kentucky's schedule in case you in case you want to go down that rapid hole. W's and L's for Kentucky. It's your call. I kind of like it. Go ahead. W Wins. All right, all right, all right. How you doing? Losses. Damn it! We lost! We fucking super lost, man! Where do we triumph? Where doth thou fall? So you gotta replace Will Levis, and they did. 
uh, right off the bat with Devin Leary, lest we forget. Let me mm-hmm. refresh your memories, everybody. Yep. Devin Leary transferred to Kentucky, and he'll replace Will Levis. The other piece of big news, I think, for Kentucky was getting Liam Cohen back as the offensive coordinator. So they've got to feel like, okay, made some moves to get back to where they wanted to be. Give me that Give me that schedule. Let's go, W's and L's for All Kentucky. Right. I think you're going to like the, uh, if you're Kentucky fans, the, the front half of the schedule. They start with Ball State. On September the 2nd. Win! All right. On the 9th, Eastern Kentucky. Win! On the 16th, <laughs> Akron. Win, yeah. On the 23rd, Vandy. Well, don't go out of your way to play some football here, guys. <laughs> My goodness gracious. They almost got out of September with an undefeated record, but they do host Florida to end the month. Okay, so this is a huge game for two tepid seeders. Two tepid seeders know the importance of this game. Water's going from tepid to warm. It's it's a kind of a little hot, a little hot, says the other guy after shaking the hand to the loser. It's in Lexington. What do you think? It's a coin flip, man. Right. That's a tepid seat showdown if I've ever seen one. Well, if they get out of that game undefeated, I'm gonna five give, and I'm, I'm gonna give them a, I'm gonna give them a win. Then they're gonna be five and one because they go to Georgia the following That's week. That's a loss. All right. Then they host Mizzou. Win. Should be. Right? Yeah, they're off to a good start. Six and one at the bye. And then it's Tennessee. Where? In Lexington. Does it matter, though? It does. Tennessee's not so superior that they could just cruise past Kentucky on the road. That's a t- I'll, go, I'll go win. I'll go win. Wow, for Kentucky. No, 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 no. Sorry, you're right. right. It's at... Uh... Oh, wow. You could probably get a good future number on this. I would think Tennessee's a two-score favorite right now if you could find I'll it. I'll take Tennessee. Okay. All right. At Mississippi State. Another tepid seat. Classic. What time is the game, I think, is the operative question. It'll be a chilly one. It's in November, right? Yeah, November. The fourth. Uh, uh, loss on the road there. I think that's what, okay, all right, mm-hmm. all right. Bama. Loss. At South Carolina. Woo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loss. Okay. At Louisville. Cap off the season. Coin flip. You're talking somewhere around eight. Seven, seven to nine is the variance. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight wins. It's going to be a boring kind of year in Kentucky. You know what's going to happen? Their hopes are going to be sky high because they're going to be six and one, and then it kind of is. Yeah, people are going to be talking about them, and you could skip that segment on game day. You could skip most of them, but you definitely could skip that one on October the 21st. Hot seat waiting room of the names that we find interesting at all. Greg Schiano already at Rutgers. By the way, he's 12 and 22 since returning. Did anybody know that Rutgers still played football? They do, and Greg Schiano is their coach. In the Power 2 Conference. He's 12 and 22. Eli Drinkwitz, the coach there at Missouri, is uh, 17 and 19. Come on, buddy. That ain't going to get it done. (laughs) Uh, Poor Indiana in perpetuity searching for stability. Tom Allen there. He went from everybody's darling to, Tom, we're 30 and 40. Also, by the way, Dino Babers, who's an ass, is 36 and 49 after uh, puffing his chest a bit at one point. Went five and seven last year. Old Dino. What do they have him on? Tepid? No, he's on. He's in the hot seat waiting room. Oh, the waiting room. He can yeah. see the seat. He knows it's coming. Jimbo Fisher on that list. 
Got to get got to get to seven eight wins this year minimum, right? To avoid just being firmly on it, if not fired outright. Now we get to the five that are one hundred percent on the hot seat. That's where they're living. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. Justin Wilcox at Cal, who cares? Butch Jones at Arkansas State, who cares? Terry Bowden at ULM, who cares? Jeff Halfley at Boston College, who everybody adores but isn't winning, 14-20. and 20. That's nice. He probably wants to get fired. It'll be a kiss-my-ass-on-main-street moment. He'll get his payday, go back to the NFL, where he'll be an assistant coach and very successful. You're almost rooting for Jeff Halfley to get fired so his dream can come true. He's number four. And number five, Mike Bloomgren at Rice. Again, nobody cares. So the five that are firmly on it, you're like, eh. Eh. Terry is struggling at ULM, but he's doing so very comfortably in a pair of joggers, I'm sure. The Jeff Cambridge Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. This is, Tom, this is going to be news to you, and I want I want to share this with you. All right. We're retiring. This is great. <laughs> uh, I think it's... Um, I think it's exciting. We'll we'll first say that uh, we love our collaboration, obviously, with ISF, as I always note every Thursday. Normally, we invite you guys to help us solve for the future, uh, but I'm not doing that today. Maybe not. In- indirectly, I am. Uh, obviously, ISF listens to your vision. They know you want to achieve great things. You want to do amazing things. You have those goals, those visions. They're there to collaborate with you and help you do it. We all understand difficult to navigate unique sets of challenges inherent to uh, government operations. But uh, they can do that as an IT strategy firm. They've been helping people around the nation, around the whole country, which is a good thing. And that's why we love to talk about them, but talk also about this particular part of what they do, which is the collaboration with us and others, their clients, obviously, and what we do with you guys. But they're looking, ISF is, to host a tailgate this season, Tom. And have a food collection and donation to benefit the second harvest. Oh, that's awesome. What are we doing around here, gang? How about that? Way to go, Jonathan and ISF. I like that. Love it. So they reached out to me. And, of course, me being who I am, I said, oh, of course. We'll take our celebrity and shine a light on the greatness that is going to be this tailgate so that folks benefit uh, with the food collection at the second harvest. It's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome. And I'll have more details. I don't have them today, but it's going to happen. They're going to do it. And I know that uh, Monique from Second Harvest was able to reach back out and say, yeah, this is a great idea. We know we can shine a light on this. So we will this football season. That's one way to help solve for the future for people that are hungry. That'll be a very, very good thing. So I'm excited. That's really more than anything else I wanted to do was make that announcement. Be on the lookout for that, guys. We're going to be talking about this in ways that you can help. Go stop by that tailgate, drop off some food. We have the best listeners and viewers in the world. I talk about this all the time, and I mean it sincerely. Whenever we ask any of you to step up for a charitable cause, whether it be for a group or an individual, you always do it, and it always exceeds my greatest expectation and for that, I'm forever thankful. It's my favorite aspect of this job is, is being in a position uh, to, again, shine a light on areas of concern and in places or people that need the help because you guys do it. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bravo to you, but it's a great thing that we do collectively together. So this year, Second Harvest ISF will get together along with the Jeff Cameron Show and my friends here at War Chant 93.3, and we will all pitch in to help out 
at the tailgate. It's fun to talk about tailgating again. Yesterday, Tom, uh, I saw that somebody posted, they were very angry, uh, that, that Florida State's tailgate was uh, belittled as weak on the tier. Speaking of tiers, uh, perhaps we would be in the tepid seat tier of tailgates. And I concur. I think our tailgating sucks around here. Not, not you and me. Yeah, we're at Hotel Indigo. No, living not it up. what we do, buddy. But as a university, if you travel at all to other upper echelon programs that have been a big part of why college football is great, so I'm talking about whether it's the, uh, you know, Texas or Oklahoma, uh, formerly of the Big 12, whether you're talking about a tailgate at Ohio State or at Penn State or Michigan, whether you're talking about any of the SEC locales, which you all know have an awful lot of great places to tailgate, most notably the Grove and others. We're down the list, man. We're down the list. I've done some things. I've been around. I've traveled. I've been to these other places, Tom, and most of them have tailgates, again, by and large, better than ours. There are individual tailgates within the Florida State community that I go, now that's a good tailgate. They're doing a good job. Bob and Lisa host one hell of a tailgate, don't they? There is that. But when you look around our lots, I've yeah. often lamented that it's a sad sap collection. It's not what we should be given who we are. There is a fine line, though, between allowing the university to take over too much of the tailgating and sterilizing it yeah. and then also fostering the, the family atmosphere that you should feel on it. Like you're coming home to your school. I want a so, nice vibe of we're on the verge of a little bit too much, but at yeah. the same time, it's welcoming and nobody's going to lose their uh, mind. Yeah, 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 by family, I mean a full a family that has a full cooler of beer at minimum <laughs> and has a full bar. Yeah, yeah but it's just yeah. that you can walk from one place to the next and everybody's having a good time. The lots, the IM lots do a little bit of that, like in the corner towards the stadium. A little bit of it. People get there early. Mm -hmm. that's, that's mayhem over there. But – Having been at Austin for the game against Notre Dame, which is now seven years ago, time flies. Man, there were too many tent setups. It was sterile. Like it just felt corporate. It did not feel like it was it's a, a game day on a campus. You yeah, know? it's a fine line. I t the one in Norman is incredible because it it involves the campus, and you can walk past the library and out in this green space, and then towards the stadium, and there's a there's a pathway. Uh, basically a road that uh, pays tribute. Like it would be like Bobby Bowden way or something like yeah. that. Right. You know, and, or in their case, like Billy Sims or whatever, but you would walk down that road and yeah, there are tents set up. It's, it's corporate in that way, but the intermingling and the, the hours and hours in advance, this all gets set up and the huge cookouts and the footballs being thrown between camps. And it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now, the antithesis of something like that would be, say, Boston College, where because okay. because you're near Snooton, uh, Snooton, you can't really actually have a good time. No, no. you're not allowed to. No, they don't. Period. They don't want any of your types there. Yeah. No, uh, Jamie and I found a great spot, and this is the thing about the campuses. And Florida State's lends itself to that. If you get into the campus a little bit, got to get into the campus. Beautiful yeah. areas. LSU man. has that, by the way. They do get into. Yeah, you went into that. Yeah, I did. Because the fields are isolated. There's not much cover. It's a lot of sun beating it's down as, on you. Yes. Yeah. Hades, indeed. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. We found an awesome stone wall underneath a giant oak tree, and we had a 12-pack of Lone Star. There and you that's go. that's how it was. There it is. That's a good day. I'd have gone with the Shinerbach, but all right. Yeah, either way. Well, you know, when in Texas. I, I understand both, but yeah, I'm yeah, feeling cool. the Lone Star. Quality, quality. I, uh, 
Yeah, every place has a spot now. Florida State's got several. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying they're devoid of good places to tailgate, but the consistency is lacking. There's a psych professor that throws yes. a, a fest every year. You actually went to it I a did. few years back. Yes. That's in the quad in their psych building. Dude, that setup is where it's at. He's got the shade. You got to – I just wish – I don't know. Maybe it's the way our campus is laid out. Some of it is not anybody's fault. Like, a lot of times – because when we when, – when I would go with my dad starting way back 1980, tailgates on, we would go off of – what is that, chapel or church? Chapel. Chapel, yeah. Yeah. Um, off a of chapel there back then it was Spanish town apartments, but it's not that anymore. And now it's become just a damn gigantic. Yeah, they knocked down Osceola uh, Hall. Yeah, they knocked, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, everything's knocked down from when I was going. But anyhow, the point is you will, you know, you'll look and you'll be like, oh, this is awesome. Look behind the church. There's 47 cars of families and friends and people having a good time that there's little pockets at that in Tallahassee, the church with the hill. Yeah. The, yeah. That's where that's I where used to tailgate. Keg kickball. That's where we oh, used to buddy. tailgate. We tailgated there for 25 years, 30 spot. years. Perfect spot. But it's kind of removed from the stadium. Then it's you'd walk. walk, it's a walk and you'd walk through the tunnel. And then of course you go right past you're right by Gordo's and all the other stuff that you can walk mm -hmm. down, you know, but that's removed. It's the way the stadium's laid out. I just don't think you can do as much as you can in certain other places. That's the one thing I miss with the post game show is is a little bit of the post game tailgate action. You and I had two spots that we frequented. Both are closed now. One mm. is a new business. The other is just straight closed. It was uh, the warehouse. Man, I get a Guinness I, in the post game. I used to go to the warehouse Dude. like it was my job. Because you just watch all the traffic the go by. Professor used to be a a, a bartender there. Kick ass. Great Guinness. Mm -hmm. Good pour. And then you watch all the cars on gains just go by. But with the post-game show, we can't do that anymore. We had another place that I won't name that was awesome because it was a full bar, and that was where it was at for the post-game. <laughs> 2013, we spent yeah. a lot of time yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games were over at halftime. And there's the famous moment that we can't bring up on the air, the slow motion. I don't recall. Yeah. <laughs> I got to solve for the past here. Oh, no, that was different. No, that that's was, very yeah. different. It's a very different thing. It was just a different <laughs> moment in time. Yeah, that was uh, – <laughs> That was Virginia 14? <laughs> was it Virginia? I, I think it was Virginia 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's for bellying up. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, yeah. Madison wants to know, by the way, ISF solving the future. Uh, really quickly, Madison wants to know, how does tight end Morlock look? Like a third string tight end. Which on this team is not a bad thing. Not at all. I'm still waiting on him to really. I mean, he looks the part, guys. And there's going to be a place. There'll be there'll be things run for him. This is a compliment to Jaheim Bell, and this is a compliment to Biscuit, Marquiston Douglas. Marquiston's been fantastic in this camp. He gained weight and retained speed. I I find that shocking. He has been. Fantastic. And a blocking Jesse, too. Yeah. And Bell is what he is, which is an NFL tight end. So when you're behind those two guys, at least in terms of production in camp so far, and, and you know, it's early. I mean, he's never started a game for Florida State. So again, you, you temper your expectations when you're coming from shorter college. So I, I, I think physically, he's a mismatch at six, seven. I said right when he got here in the spring, he looked much thicker than I thought he would be in the lower half, which I was happy about because it you need to be able to withstand some of the punishment. So 
you know, that's a, it's a big deal. Somebody in the chat said that they read where Morlock had his best day today. That's huge. That's great. We weren't there today. It's over in Jacksonville, so I'll defer. And if that's true, great. I uh, Listen, I think he's going to contribute this year. I think he's going to matter. I think it's it's good yeah. we got him. He's not, already power yeah. five as yeah. a pass catcher. Like, he he fits it at that point. It's just the, the details of the game and the position, I think. Yeah, and Briley, I'll answer your question. Is it his blocking or route work that has Morlock third? Or is it just that he doesn't catch as well as Bell or block as well as Biscuit? It's interesting to, to answer that question. Uh, Jaheim Bell's the total package. Um, you line him up anywhere, You can too. put him anywhere, Briley. He's just ahead of the game. He is I'll, – I'll, I'll tell you this. I was talking to a scout at yesterday's practice, and I asked him who he was there to see, and he said Jaheim Bell. There you go. <laughs> he was there to see Jaheim Bell. And, uh, so I think the answer is kind of <laughs> yes to Briley's question. I think it is too. Because Marquise didn't yeah, he's a monster. every day in the he's drills. He's a monster. The coaches are yelling, saying, approving of what he's doing. Say, Great job, 85. Great job, Biscuit. Whatever they're saying. But every day. So, I mean, and then he runs over the other side and he catches the pass against the yeah, safety. Uh, Briley, I think the other two are just more complete. It's really not a knock on Morlock yet. He's not, you know, he's not dropping the ball left and right. I'm not sitting over here watching him, you know, having a problem with his hands or anything like that. He's not weak as a blocker. He's just not plus plus the way the other two are in in most of the aspects of playing the position. I, I think the other two are just further along, bigger, stronger. But Morlock is a solution for the future. Well, there you go. Let's throw that in there too. ISF solving all kinds of futures. He is. He is. Chef Cambridge Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Seminole Boosters, Golden Chief, 18 plus years, delicious food, lovely combination, is what I say. They are truly the offense of your game day, right? <laughs> and there's just anything that you want. It's the platter, though. We, we got to do a new uh, pod spot for them. And I think the, the play for that is just make your game day easier. The platter, the platter is the easiest way to go. I, I'm so, yeah. And you want, listen, I like that you have a lot of choices there, but I don't want a lot of choices on game day. I want to know what I'm getting is getting enough for everybody yep. and delicious. That combo platter is, is where it's at. And can I toss those puppies in the air fryer tomorrow Ooh. for the leftovers? And yes, you can. The answer is resoundingly yes. Do you know, I found this out uh, by accident, uh, that the uh, – the modern microwave can be used now as an air fryer too. They have they have a button on there. Oh really? I bought a microwave. Didn't even know it had an air fryer in it. Oh nice. Just it's a little button. I got the toaster oven air fryer because I do like to toast. Things. <laughs> and you don't want to lose that ability. So no. it, should, it looks like a giant toaster oven now. A little Cuisinart action. I like the toaster oven too. It's an underrated thing. It is. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, oh, I see where the Pirates came back and have the lead. It's really close to being a Pirate sweep. Good Lord, guys. these None of these games should have been competitive, but every one of them have. If we hadn't bought a save in the ninth in one of these, you guys are just straight slapping a slap. Doesn't bode well for the postseason for the Braves struggling mightily against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Listen to you. Who are you, me? No, I'm responding to the Braves fans who talked a ton of smack all week long about how kind of the ass kickings that were coming our way. None of which have happened. Now, they'll probably blow this game, too, just like they did the other one. But the margin between the two seems very slim. Should you have already shopped uh, or shipped off Bednar? Maximize the value of the return? <laughs> After he blew the save two nights ago, I was like, man, should have already traded him. Yeah, with the team control that he has, fetch some good prospects for old Bob Nutting. 
Can't bring his name up, man. <laughs> Bailey Falter uh, started for the Pirates today. He was 0-7 with a 5-2-1. Bob Nutting or Sabby Piscatelli? Good old Sabby Piscatelli. My God. What a bum. Yeah, I remember it. I used to get so mad watching those games. Why is Sabby Piscatelli not there? The other guy that pissed you off, it wasn't his fault, but it was the D tackle from UCLA that we drafted after McCoy. Bitch ass tearing every hamstring he had over and over again. It's not his fault. He had a career of injuries at UCLA. They warned you. They were like, look, he's fat, he's out of shape, and he tears a hamstring hourly. With the 35th pick. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, come (laughs) on, guys. What are we doing? If his legs could function, I'm sure he'd be a good player. That's a problem. They don't. Thanks to our friends at Power Mill. We appreciate them sponsoring Probables. Of course, we do. PowerMillSports.com. Power Go check them out. Helping your little uh, little guy, little girl, whether it's softball, baseball, you name it. They'll get them set fundamentals necessary to go have fun and improve and get better each day. They play equipped to make it happen. Power Mill Sports. All right, cue it up. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables Astros Orioles that is five to two Baltimore in the eighth Hunter Brown started for the Astros Dean Creamer started for the Orioles Braves Pirates as I said that was Bryce Elder and Bailey Falter mismatch on paper but lo and behold 6-4 Pirates in the seventh Blue Jays Guardians Alec Manoa has had a tough year Noah Syndergaard going for the Guardians also had a tough year. No, it's in the card. Not a pitcher. Never was. Twins, Tigers, Kent Tomeda, Reese Olsen. That game is in the seventh inning as well. A lot of day baseball today. One to nothing Detroit. Oh, Green Bay Mets at that game. Talked to him earlier this morning. He was going to the game with his son. Tara Holton had signed autographs for his uh, minor little league baseball team that he coached. Oh, that's really cool. Really cool. Cardinals, Rays, Matthew Libertor, Zach Littell. Nationals, Phillies, Patrick Corbin, Aaron Nola. We got the Royals and the Red Sox, Austin Cox, James Paxton. <laughs> Didn't he work for us? <laughs> and uh, Rockies, Dodgers, Ty Blatch, TBD. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. <laughs> I uh, saw yesterday, Tom, I was, my son was complaining uh, that he is frustrated uh, with, with how hot it is at practice. And I said, you know, I give him the boo-hoo routine. T- toughen up, son. Many years before you, there were, we were all out there in this heat too, in the heat of Florida. It's terrible. Tough, tough luck. He was complaining about it, and he wanted to know how Florida State does it. And then I realized, well, it is a better system at Florida State. They'll take him inside for half the practice. They practice in the morning, not the afternoons. Yeah, but that's that's what happens with money. Yeah, last Friday was different. The first day of practice was hot, no doubt. But the second day of practice was on a completely different level. Left the interviews, and still the internal temperature of my car said 112. Yeah, 112 when you that got was, the game. I think 7 o'clock, 6.45, 7 o'clock at night. So they took them inside fairly early in that practice. And then Saturday was fine because we had that weird kind of cool front where it was more springtime weather. Thankfully now, though, for Florida State's in the mornings. Too bad Bryce can't practice in the mornings instead. 
Know that I know they're trying to uh, tie the series. I'm noting that every game was a very good game and that the Pirates blew a lead in the second game and was down a run in the eighth last night. Now I have the lead in the eighth of this game. It's been a series. It ought not be a series. Robert writes, hey, Jeff, huge fan. I live in Jacksonville and have been a diehard FSU fan. Just wanted to know if practices this week in Jacksonville are open practices. Normally they aren't. Just wanted to ask. Eh, not really, especially not after today. <laughs> Might be less open than yesterday. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, I think uh, if there is an open post-practice conversation, the messaging that Mike had hoped had been explained prior will have definitely been explained for tomorrow's practice. If there's an open policy at all. And there might not be a couple outlets out there tomorrow. I'm not saying us. Just saying. Don't they just get in the car and ride? I mean, the buses and ride right after the practice tomorrow. Like they don't want to be over there. It's it's a weird thing. It's like it's a gazillion degrees. They never like the questions that are asked afterwards. Did we sign a five year deal? Why are we out? over there? I don't know what the. It's just it's weird. So, I, I do. I think it's um, I, it may be the last time. Do you really believe there's a benefit? I, I've always been told they do it because of the fans that are over there and the, the ability to recruit and all. I'm like, I don't, I don't see no, you it. You don't let them out there. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see where the benefit comes. Like if they were going down to Tampa or Miami or something weird like that, maybe I'd, okay, maybe. No, I, I don't mean, see the benefit. Maybe to make sure that they check themselves. These kids are behaving, getting to bed on time, trying to reinforce the routine. Well, I know they, they, they say it's more difficult over there that it's uh, it's it's bare bones and that they stay in a dorm that's you know pretty stripped down and there's not a lot of amenities and all of that but i don't know man i, I don't i'd like to know the appreciable effects of that it could be you know as though they're going through a um the adversity the road trip stuff logistics getting kids used to that routine you know rooming together doing team activities on the road. It could be a warm-up for something like that, too. I mean, I'm sure there are certain little benefits to it, but I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. They think uh, it is. I don't know if he does anymore. We'll see. Uh, and I, I, I would love to know those benefits. I just don't see him. Perhaps. Perhaps. But after that, I hope tomorrow we get lucky. I want somebody to ask about injury first question. Maybe Corey would. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want one of our Coach, people I'd like to permanently know, banned. On the injury front, how are you feeling with those runs after uh, the stretching? How's it feeling? Everything good? Would you like to be educated in the final 90 seconds of the show about our responsibilities, uh, our fun activities in Orlando? I can post a graph. Yeah, post it really quick. Let's do this thing. Look at all this. Nuts. That's a lot. That is a lot. War Chant live in Orlando, Saturday. Some little headlines live, meet and greet, 4 p.m. Live show, 5 p.m. Pre-game live, 12 to 2. That's you and me. There we are. There we Wall are. Street Plaza, 12 to 2. Post-game show, you and Gene, live until 1 a.m. Woo! That's going to be a quick post-game show, though. 1 a.m., that's 90 minutes at most. We usually go to about 2 when yeah. we're at our home studio. Because you're at your home studio. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah. It's a bar. We'll be at Hooch. Man, that's a That's a lot. That's a lot. It's called Hooch. Hooch. It's in the Wall Street Plaza. Bunch of bars. There'll be stages, food vendors, all that kind of stuff. 
Our We're headquarters be is everywhere. Be this is going to be fantastic. Can't get here soon enough. War Chant Live in Orlando. We'll have a good time. Good job out of you. Good job, Director Matthew. Be well, everybody. Have a great day. Be well. Hope you all your kids had a good first day of school. Deep breaths, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Mm-hmm.